Hello and welcome back to the Cut in the Dry here on the Life Given Radio. Hope you all had a good spring break, if that even means anything to you. Um, but this, this show is the show that doesn't mince the hot takes that the Bible lays out for us, cut and dry. I'm your host, Kip Mock, and I'm here with my co-host, Isaac Lopez. How was your break, Isaac? It was good. Very restful. Went down, visited some family in Boise. Nice. Very nice. Started a new job. Yep, started a new job, just working hard, hardly working. You know how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I do. (laughs) Um, Well, I just want to throw in a a personal plug before we get started. Um, One of the projects I'm working on is, for those of you in Moscow, Idaho, um, the Jackson Street silos. I'm working on a remodel there, and Patrick Cernick is doing a full video documentary of the process. Episode one is going to be going live um, probably mid next week, um, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, we'll we'll let you guys know maybe through Discord or something like that. Yeah, because it'll probably be on project. Probably be on TLG News site. I mean, that's a cool cross. Oh yeah, sweet. That sounds great. Yeah, but I'm super pumped about it. I'm super pumped to share what I'm working on. So yeah, that's cool. Especially for those of you in Moscow who have been wondering. What's going on with the silos? Something's got to happen with the you're, silos. You're about They're to ugly. find out. So. <laughs> um, well, let's let's jump right into indubitable. Um, and today I want to talk about self-interest. Um, Karis and I are finishing up reading through Atlas Shrugged. I feel I've mentioned this on the podcast. We've even read some portions yeah. of it in yeah. in some of our specials. Um, it's probably my favorite novel of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the fourth and final novel that Ayn Rand wrote, and it's widely recognized as her greatest greatest work. Um, Ayn Rand is kind of a rare breed, not kind of. She is a rare breed of philosopher who can also write good fiction. Hmm. <laughs> um, I was mentioning to Isaac right before we started rolling that uh, I just noticed that there's one monologue that we just listened to that's literally three and a half hours long, and it's just... Uh, you know, stating the philosophy of the book right. in a three and a half hour monologue of one of the characters. And um, I couldn't believe that it was actually that long. <laughs> there, there's a lot to this book. I think that it's a good book for young men to read mm. in this day and age. Yeah. Um, I'll just point out one thing before we roll on. This is totally off topic, but um, here's this is my bonus toilet talk tip there will be another one later but you definitely should read atlas shrugged um do it read it listen to it whatever it's 62 hours long 100 or 1100 pages but (laughs) it's worth it i promise um and you will love it i i guarantee it that is a kit mock guarantee um so the book is effectively a defense of capitalism and a defense of self-interest so this does kind of tie in with what we're talking about um but the one caveat i'll give you to this book is uh well there there are many to be made but the one i'll give you right now is ayn rand is a humanist effectively speaking and one thing i've noticed throughout reading this book the second time is she often juxtaposes uh human reason with reality Mm -hmm. so the primary example is she uh, makes the argument that if two men's reason conflict two men's reason conflicts 
Uh, that's grammatically incorrect somehow. <laughs> but uh, in the event that that happens, the arbiter is reality. Mm. But the question she never answers is who decides what reality is. And mm. I found that very interesting because she just, I, I don't know if she was intentionally avoiding it or right. if she just never thought of it. But right. the issue is never addressed, never mentioned, mm -hmm. never brought up. So just th think about that if you, if you do read through it. Um, but moving back to indubitable. Um, in the 21st century, this phrase self-interest isn't widely used, I don't think, but when it is, it's mm -hmm. usually a synonym to selfishness. And since I'm going to be using that phrase throughout the rest of this episode on and off, I want to define what I mean okay. when I say it. Good idea. Um, so what I mean by self-interest is simply motivation derived from the desire to do what is best for oneself. So, Isaac, here's a question for you. Um, on first glance, does that sound much different than selfishness? Uh, first glance, no. I don't think okay. it does. <laughs> but um, uh, I think that with the proper exegesis, it is very different. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, if you heard my definition of self-interest and you think, well, Kip, that just sounds like selfishness... Um, don't you worry. <laughs> All will become clear in our four cents. Sit tight. Um, so that's what we're going to move into. Um, our four cents. Mm. And the argument I'd like to make in this portion of our show is that God does not call us to an eternity or even a lifetime of self-abasement. Mm. Um, I've seen this error, I believe to be an error, in a lot of Christians um, you know, you have on one side of uh, Christianity, you have the health and wealth people, mm -hmm. right? right? That's an error. And then on the other side, you have the people who think that the only, uh, only true valuable Christian life is like St. Francis of Assisi. Right. That's yeah. all you can do. Yeah. Um, and what I've noticed is that there are a lot of Christians who think that that is the <laughs> ideal Christian life, like mm. being a hermit in a mud hut, that's... Like, that's the best you can have on this earth. And then they're living a normal middle-class life, and they have this right. constant tension yes. um, yeah. and constant, like, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. I, I don't know what to do. Hmm. And so I just like to argue that you don't have to live in a mud hut. Hmm. And I'm, I, I just want to clarify before I get into this, I'm not, I'm not going to go all health and wealth on you. Right, right, right. But I, I don't think that either one of those extremes is the correct way to live the Christian life. Okay. Um, so I've got a few kind of bullet points that will lead to my conclusion. Um, Isaac, I know I'm, I'm off on my rambling again, so feel free to jump in at any point if you yeah. think there's a point of clarification. No, you're, um, you're good. That's right. But the, the first bullet point is God created the world because he wanted to. Um, and I really want to emphasize the word wanted <laughs> here and I'm gonna pull from a couple passages here uh, John 17 1 through 5 says when Jesus had spoken these words he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said father the hour has come glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him and this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. 
Um, this might sound a little bit off topic. Don't worry, just hang on. I'm going to read through a few more passages and then I'll, I'll wrap up. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Isaiah 43, 20 through 21 says, the wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Exodus 9.16 says, But for this purpose I have raised you up, to show you my power, so that I, my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Isaiah 43.7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So there's a common theme throughout these passages, which is uh, that the existence of humanity, the existence of creation is for God's glory. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things that I think Christians kind of just don't think about because mm -hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense, right? right. We, we know the passages like Romans 8, 28, which we'll get to later, which says mm -hmm. all things work together for the good of those who love God and are mm -hmm. called according to his purpose. And so there's, there's the truth that God works all things for the good of his people. And mm -hmm. then there's the truth that we exist because God wants to glorify himself. Right. Right. God wanted to create earth because he wanted to glorify himself. That is an incredibly important point. Um, but it is also true that God, God does all for the good of those who love him. Mm -hmm. And we see this in numerous passages. Um, I'm going to start with Matthew 11:29, 29, which says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Romans 8:28 again says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, before I go further, I, I want to make the caveat that not all things that happen immediately to the faithful are pleasant. Mm -hmm. um, and Hebrews 11 um, tells us this very clearly. So Hebrews 11, 32 through 38. Uh, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and were made strong out of weakness, became mm -hmm. mighty in war, put foreign armies, foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And then in the middle of verse 35, it seems like he just totally switches tune. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Next sentence, some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. So, it is clear that God does not, uh, I mean, here's, here's the, we're not going health and wealth mm -hmm. caveat, right? right. Um, the Bible does not say that 
every Christian is going to be temporally blessed mm-hmm. in the here and now. Right. That's just not how it works. Some do these incredible, mighty things on right. earth. Um, stopping the mouths of lions, quenching the power of fire, escaping the edge mm-hmm. of the sword, made, made, made strong out of weakness, mighty in war, armies to flight, um, receiving their dead back from, by resurrection, right. and then some are tortured. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. interesting to note that in verse 38, it describes these people as those of whom the world was not worthy. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like either of these things is better or worse. It might feel better or worse right. <laughs> right. here and now, right? But uh, I just want to loop back to uh, the two main bullet points that I've made so far. And I, I realize that I've kind of just been laying stuff out. I promise I'm going to come to a conclusion, um, I think. I <laughs> <laughs> no, you're working to it. You're almost there. Um, so creation exists because God wanted it to, because it was good for him. It was a benefit to him. It is glory for him. It is joy for him. Hebrews 12 says, For the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. John 17, 1 through 5, uh, Christ is speaking to his Father and saying, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah is very clear. All throughout Isaiah, you see this uh, this evidenced, uh, and I'll just read Isaiah forty three seven again. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. There you have it. <laughs> I probably could have just read that one verse, right? Right. But everyone uh, who is called by my name, we were created for God's glory. Mm. So this truth lives in perfect harmony with the truth that. God does all for the good of those who love him. And so with those two things in mind, um, here's my pre-conclusion conclusion. conclusion. Um, And this is the third bullet point. The Bible requires self-sacrifice for a reason. Um, And here's what I mean by this. The Bible does not require us to sacrifice self-interest in our self-sacrifice. I think an error that a lot of Christians make is they think that um, the self-sacrifice that the Bible calls them to means that we have to just wipe out everything we want. We mm-hmm. can't have anything that we want. If we have right. anything we want, we're not sacrificing ourselves and we're doing something wrong. Right. But with all of those passages that I started out this section with, mm-hmm. Christ's ultimate sacrifice was done for the joy that was set before him. Right? right? You sacrifice yourself for a reason. And we see this very clearly in Scripture. Matthew 10, 29. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So there's, there's a very tangible, mm-hmm. uh, almost a carrot on the stick. Right, right. In front of this self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Humans are pathetic. And we're never, we're never going to successfully sacrifice ourselves. Right. And we shouldn't sacrifice ourselves for mm. no good reason. Right. That's just a waste of human life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just a waste of our right. time. If you're not sacrificing yourself for something, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You're doing yeah. you're doing absolutely nothing. You're yeah. just making yourself miserable for no good reason. Exactly. Right? You're sacrificing yourself does not mean you have to be a miserable person. 
it it's, should make you joyful. Mm-hmm. That's what it was for Jesus Christ. And that's what we ought to be uh, striving for. And again, in Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So with all this in mind, um, I want to lead into my actual conclusion, which is that sanctification is the alignment of our fallen self-interest with the self-interest that leads to Christ. Amen. So mm. if you can, uh, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. But if you're not, just close your eyeballs for a second and try to picture this mental image. Imagine a perfectly vertical line, which is God's will. And then imagine another line going off towards hell. <laughs> and that is your fleshly selfishness, mm-hmm. your fleshly self-interest. It's what, right. you, it's what you think you want. You want to do your own thing. You want to be an autonomous piece of meat on the planet until mm-hmm. you rot in the ground. That's right. So, so you have these two lines. And imagine, imagine when you're saved, these two lines are, are obviously not pointing in the same direction. Well, sanctification is simply the effort of the Spirit in you and you working out that effort to bring the line of your self-interest to as much of a parallel with the line of God's will, right. that perfectly vertical right. line of God's will. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Galatians put puts this really well in Galatians 5, 16 through 17. It says, quote, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh being that line going right. straight to, to hell. hell. Yeah. <laughs> For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Mm. So, C.S. Lewis Um, I don't remember the exact quote, but he stated multiple times that human beings ultimately do, in every decision they make, they ultimately do the thing Mm -hmm. they actually most want to do. Right. Right? And so Christ does not call us to do unpleasant things. Mm. (laughs) He doesn't call us to do the things we don't want to do. Right. He saves us from the desires that we ought not to have. Right. And... And so if you think about these, these two lines, just think about where is your line? Where is it, where is it pointing? Mm-hmm. Um, and how are you working to align your interests mm. with God's will? Right. And note that this happens over time. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and Amen. it will never be perfected. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, your goal ought to be to always do exactly what you want to do. Right. And here's here's kind of a microcosm to give a different illustration if my line illustration just didn't make sense. Um, I totally understand if it doesn't. So uh, say, you're, say you're a young parent and um, a lot of people that I respect have raised their children in this in this manner. So I'll just give you kind of a, a rough idea. So when your children are younger, they live in this very small world. Mm-hmm. You set parameters and barriers around their decisions. They can't touch the stove. They can't right. do this. They can't do that. They can't run in the street. All mm-hmm. these kinds of things. By the time they get to like 15, 16, you want to actually be able to tell your kids, you can do whatever you want. Right. Why? 
because as Pastor Wilson puts it, pastor of my church, you teach them to love the standard. Mm -hmm. Well, we ought to do the same thing with who we're under authority. Uh, We ought to love scripture. Mm -hmm. We ought to love and desire the, the, the desires of the spirit. Right. Right. So just as parents ought to train their children to love what is right, we ought to be training ourselves through the spirit to love what we ought mm. to do. Amen. Um, and ultimately, mm. that which is truly best for us is fulfilled by the desires of the spirit. Right. Um, and I think we just ought to resist the temptation that accepting God's purpose for us necessitates an abject mm and sad life on this earth. It might, especially in a nation on the verge of collapse. Right. But God is merciful, and all things work together for the good of those Mm. who love him. Amen. So, do you have anything to add to that, Isaac? Any clarifying questions? No, Kip, you you hit that one out of the park. I'll I'll say a couple things so you can take a drink. Um, But, I mean, I think it's really important to realize that, really, when it comes down to your self-interest, Yes, you are fallen, so you're going to have to curb your sin, <laughs> curb yourself, your your selfish ambitions. Um, but when you uh, come down to it, you were designed to want what is pure. There was something that was severed in the fall, mm-hmm. and that's why Christ came to mend and to f- fix and heal. Right. Mm-hmm. So, quite simply, you were wired a certain way. You, uh, we, in Adam, snipped that wiring. And now Christ came back to, to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, the error I the error I saw that I tried to I set out to discuss in this episode is the error of living a middle class life and mm-hmm. feeling like you're required to live a Saint Francis of Assisi life. Right. Now I'm not sure if my convoluted trail answered that question, but I just challenge you to think about it. Mm-hmm. Think about whether scripture lines up with that way of life. Think about whether you're called to be miserable Mm. because you have a job that pays you well. Right. Is that actually the case? Are you, are you called to be miserable because you have a dishwasher and a washing machine and a dryer for your laundry? (laughs) Are you, are you required to feel bad about that? That's not a sin. (laughs) It's not a bad thing. Be grateful for it. Right. God calls us to be grateful and he also calls us to our good and to our benefit. And so I would just urge you to think about that. Mm. And uh, it, it's an easy trap to fall into. Um, I, I know that I do it all the time. So just just think about that. Think of the places where um, you're, you're making yourself miserable for a reason you shouldn't. Right. Because if you actually think about that, what you're actually doing is being ungrateful for the mm-hmm. gifts God has given you. Mm-hmm. That, that's all there is to it. Yeah. So living, living this middle-class life that most Americans live, this incredibly blessed, rich life, mm-hmm. and thinking that you don't deserve it, or that you, you shouldn't get to have it, right. is actually just ingratitude. Right. And ingratitude is the worst. So, there we have it's it. It's true. Although you point. did say last week, and this is a text from my wife, that... Uh, having a dishwasher is not a human right. <laughs> so there, there's a theme there that seems to be contradictory. No, I'm just <laughs> I did say that. I stand behind it. <laughs> Good stuff, man. That's great. But it's not a human right, so be grateful. It's not. Exactly. There you go. Hey, Avoid that controversy. 
Um, let's let's move right into toilet talk. Mm. Um, so today I want to talk a little bit about leverage um, in two different aspects. I'll try to keep this brief. Um, oh, we got plenty of time. Yeah, we're, we're good. Um, Nice thing about me just rambling is Isaac doesn't ask me a question that I don't have an answer to. I have to sit here like capitalism versus socialism, <laughs> something like that. That was what we were going to talk about today, and then for some reason it morphed into this. So no, I mean like, here we are. It's closely related, I think. <laughs> um, what is closely related to capitalism, though, is leverage in your time and in your there finances. You nice transition. Hey. Way to save that rabbit trail. <laughs> Um, so I want to talk a little bit about labor and time and how you can leverage that and then finance, how you can leverage that. And I'm going to go off on Dave Ramsey because yeah, I'd see that (laughs) (laughs) just roast him. Um, so first of all, labor and time, my, what I want to drive home here is do what you're best at and delegate the rest. If you're Mm -hmm. in any position of, um, authority or even if you're just in a if you're in a nine to five job right find what you're best at and do it and then do it so well Mm -hmm. that you build up extra responsibility for yourself and you need to find people to take over the stuff you're not quite as good at right um and the reason i'm thinking of this is over the last three weeks or so i've hired uh six part-time people to take on different parts of what i do and I, I I got home yesterday and I told Karis, I feel like I've gotten nothing done like this entire week. I just feel like I've been sitting around in my office with nothing to do. And then I, it hit me, wait, I just hired six people. Right, right. <laughs> of course I have nothing to do. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Means I could do another project. Right. I can do something else mm-hmm. that's in my wheelhouse like of expertise. Film a documentary. Sure. Yeah. There we go. Um, This is. I'll probably spend a bit more time on this. Um, If you're if you're in any sort of situation where um, you need to spend money to make money, whether you're um, investing in a small business or a or you're investing in real estate, whatever the case may be, um, I'm a huge proponent of leverage. Mm -hmm. And by leverage, I just mean a mortgage or a loan. as long as you do so wisely. I'm right. not telling you to go finance a property at 98% of its mm-hmm. value and right. then, <laughs> right. you know, uh, that's not smart. But as long as you have the cash reserves you need and mm-hmm. you leverage your property at a reasonable rate at like 75% of its value or less, that's usually a good decision because right. it allows you to take on more assets mm-hmm. and if you treat them wisely, um, it, it gives you much more, uh, much more power in right. the marketplace. Absolutely. So, um, my hot take here is that Dave Ramsey is an idiot. Um, I listened through his financial peace university course, uh, hmm. year or so ago. And at the very beginning of the course, um, Dave Ramsey tells a story about how he was a real estate flipper. He would buy properties and sell them within a few months. So he had a portfolio of um, $4 million Mm. in real estate uh, potential sales, leveraged at 75%, which is reasonable. Mm. Um, And so as he's telling this story, he says basically that when the market crash of, I believe, like 86, 87, somewhere in there, hit... 
the banks called his loans and he lost everything. Oof. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense because right. that's not how mortgages work. <laughs> so I did a little bit of research okay. and it turns out that Dave Ramsey had um, 90 day loans. So <laughs> he, he had 90 day call loans, which basically just means that you make three payments and right. then there's a balloon payment at the end of that, mm-hmm. which is the total amount but you do have the option to negotiate a renewal. So okay. if it took him more than 90 days to flip right. a property, he could just get another 30 days or 60 or 90 or whatever right. the case may be. Well, if you have a 90-day contract, you're obligated to pay back. So he was obligated to pay back $3 million within 90 days, which is... That's ridiculous. Insanity. Yeah. Absolute insanity. <sighs> For those of you who don't know how mortgages usually work, the shortest term you can generally get with a commercial loan is a five-year. Mm. Um, but generally speaking, you're going to be buying stuff on a 15, 20, or 30-year right. term. The bank can't just call you up and say, hey, we want all our money back early. They signed right. a contract where you pay them over 30 years. Mm-hmm. That's not how mortgages work. So Dave Ramsey made it sound like he had all of these mortgages and all of a sudden the bank just was like, hey, give us our money back. Right. Well, that only happens if you have a 90-day loan <laughs> and the market crashes. If you have right. a 30-year loan and the market crashes, well, you might you might lose some equity. Right. But you still only have to make a twelve hundred, five thousand, whatever right. payment a month, right. and that's all you're committed instead of 3 million. to. Three million, yeah, right. Instead of three million, so Dave Ramsey, I feel like had this bad experience with some poor decision making on his mm. part, and then built this whole debt free living concept, mm-hmm. with which I think is smart for right. people who don't know how to manage their money. Right. Yeah. It, like if you if so you it's know not that you have a problem, total bunk. No, it's yeah. not. It's not total bunk. But what is bunk is how he just like was mm. totally deceptive right. about his story. He should have just said, I made a bad decision. Right. Right. <laughs> I didn't know how to manage mm. my debt. And if you don't know how to manage your debt either, you should do this. Mm. And it's true that a lot of people don't. A lot of the, you know, success stories from right. Dave Ramsey's program are people who had like a hundred and fifty thousand oh, yeah. dollars yeah. in credit card debt. That's obviously not a good call. <laughs> right. Right. Don't have a hundred and fifty thousand right. dollars in credit card debt. But if you're leveraging an asset, mm-hmm. do it. Don't yeah. listen to Dave Ramsey. Um, maybe we'll talk about this more. Yeah, later, absolutely. I mean, I feel like I've another episode on wealth ranted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it probably sounds like I'm a little obsessed with many, <laughs> many episodes we've done. <laughs> How many have we done now? Just two, I thought. Well, do we do yeah, a third? just two specifically okay. on wealth. Yeah, just very specifically on wealth. <laughs> yeah. The rest of it is just generally speaking something to do with it. But this is a podcast for young men who are starting out their careers. Right. And no, it's very I want to give you guys good insight onto, at least to the best of my ability, right. with my limited achievements, how to make, create wealth yeah. in these odd times. Yeah. I think it's... I think it's a good thing to talk about. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Anywho. And my toilet tip, my toilet talk tip, shoehorns directly into that, especially on career, the career side. So mm. Kip did mention at the beginning of the show, uh, I did start a new new position, a yeah. new job, and definitely something that I'm very excited about. But uh, I, uh, you know, I've been chatting with uh, my wife, um, and really we've been focusing on uh, enjoying and 
uh, finding joy in where God has put you, right? Mm-hmm. And specifically in our work, in our work lives. Yeah. Um, I think for me, uh, I was I really loved my previous job, but there were skills that I had to learn there that I were I was not uh, excited to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, very uh, detail oriented skills that required me to be very focused on minute tasks for hours on end, mm-hmm. and that was something that I found very challenging. But then I on upon reflection, once I got into uh, you know, like eight, nine months into the job, and I figured out how to communicate well, the job just got much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it just finally clicked into place. So my tip is, um, no matter where you are in your career, if you're working a job that really is just paying the bills, you're only working part-time as, as you're graduating high school or something like that, mm-hmm. and figure out where you can grow at that job personally in your yeah. skill set. You know, figure out, okay, does this... Uh, McDonald's joint need a marketing team or how are we going to push the word out um, about this new uh, thing that just came into inventory you know like figure out what you can do to better the company that you're at before maybe getting on track where uh, you might really want to be so at a company that you might really want to be at there are things that you can do to prepare yourself to be a better asset asset to that new company absolutely so and, and yeah. if you're working a job like i worked at a mcdonald's mm-hmm. for th- three and a half years right not the best job in the world right yeah um apparently one in eight people in america have worked at mcdonald's are you serious life, which is crazy holy cow but that's so cool i was one yeah. of them nice sorry kip you're not yeah. special <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not special and it wasn't fun but yeah um the work I did there certainly prepared me for um, to be more likely mm-hmm. to get the type of job I wanted, right. or the type of career right. I want. I wanted absolutely. So no matter where you are, maybe I had a bit too much whiskey. <laughs> I can't speak anymore. Um, <laughs> where you are? Where you are? I'm not from Kansas. Um, <laughs> No matter where you are, you can always improve your personal mm-hmm. uh, benefit to your employer Absolutely. in a manner that will get you in a position where you want to be later. Yeah. So I'm super on board with what you what you said there. Cool. I think solid stuff. Um, I think with that, we're ready to call this show a day. Yeah. Um, before we sign off, uh, if you've listened listened to us for this long, I hope you're interested in what we've had to say. Um, if so, please feel free to share this show with your friends. Uh, give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts and join our discord channel to chat with us about these things and mm-hmm. whatever else comes to mind. Um, yeah. we'd love to hear what you think. So Absolutely. yeah. Anything to add Isaac or no, just join the discord. Uh, the link will be in the description. Perfect. So, Sweet. Yeah. yeah. With that for the cut and the dry on the life given radio, this is Kip and Isaac signing off.